Welcome everybody back to part two of it's been our, so long. our special. I've yeah, you all been all of about 10 seconds and uh, we're back to finish up our discussion primarily on Israel and Palestine, but with a few other random news stories in between. Thank you for listening. Uh, My turn. Yeah, you can go ahead and take it <laughs> away. So first off, again, we're, we're going to... This is not a deep dive by any means because there is a long history between Palestine and Israel and the Gaza Strip in particular. But I will be going into a lot of what Palestine's dealt on a daily basis. I will be linking a few different videos you can watch and articles. But boil it down real quick. Essentially, the state of Israel was created early 20th or 20th century in Palestine. And they've been trying to essentially take over parts of Palestine and remove the civilians who live there for decades currently oh so we'll go a little bit more modern though although israel withdrew ground troops from the gaza strip in 2005 it has since maintained an illegal air sea and land blockade on gaza and maintains a so-called access restricted area or buffer zone within gaza they have cut off more than 2 million palestinians from other parts of occupied palestinian territories and the outside world for over 10 years 16 right now as well as controlling palestinians go and who they see Israel also controls and arbitrarily restricts their access to safe, clean water. If anyone didn't know this, water consumption by Israelis is at least four times that of the Palestinians living in the occupied territory. All this information I just found is available on mc.org. That's what tried that mostly reports on inhumane conditions and authoritarian governments around the world. And they include Israel as part of that. Israel is not a good guy at least their government and if we're gonna be totally honest a lot of the people we've been seeing also have been displaying these similar attitudes uh, towards palestinian people did you see that article like i'll post i'll find it later to post in the site also but uh of israeli uh, civilians sitting up like lawn chairs and stuff to watch the no. bombs like no, not in gaza it's horrifying like like a fourth of july show but they're literally watching the bombing of Palestinian civilians. That's, uh, yeah, that's insane. Where was I? And this is kind of not new behavior for them. Again, this has been happening for decades on end. And it's wild to me how these actions are not only like forgiven, but essentially encouraged by not, not even just like our right wing politicians, uh, people Supposedly on the left are also saying this. Was Andy no? Is he considered left wing still? I, or not left wing, but like left appearing? Not sure. I, I know he's all right troll, but he shows up on like CNN sometimes. How they can defend these kinds of acts of violence from domestic police forces, especially under the excuse of, well, they were breaking the law. Don't break the law and you'll be fine. But anytime a cop breaks the law, or in this case, the Israeli government, we look the other way or... In Biden's case, give them even more money or weapons. Because as of now, every action that Israel's committing towards Palestine is in fact a war crime. It has been frowned upon by the UN, though they have taken no real actions outside of, I'm assuming, a, a handwritten letter with a sad face on it. Yeah, not <laughs> even with the strength of a cease and desist. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, you get your damn hands off her. Uh, yeah, dude. and apparently this has been their play from the beginning, The because France was their bankroller before the United States, and there was one time that Israel leveled an entire city claiming that, this was before Hamas, claiming that there were other Palestinian terrorists in the city, and France was like, hey, don't do that, but then gave them more weapons anyways. Um, yeah. And I was like, wow, when I heard that, I was like, that's play for play exactly what they just did right now. <laughs> and, and I do want to point out that Israel's actions against Palestine are not limited to or exclusive to bombing their cities and homes. So that is a bigger issue right in this current moment. It's like I stated in the last episode, at this point, I don't have an exact number, but they've killed over 268 or 258 civilians, 68 of whom were children. And that's especially horrific because the IDF put up an infographic a few weeks ago, and I will find that for you as well, stating that they've killed over 200 terrorists, which means they're claiming that not only was every man, woman, and senior citizen who has died so far a terrorist, but also at least 10 children were known to them to be terrorists and, or Hamas and killed, which if you use your brain, you'll realize is a, a lie. <laughs> that is a lie. They've, they've been bombing apartment homes and stuff like that. Well, and particularly mosques, and this is the first time that they bombed mosques dur during Ramadan. So like they're, they like strategically pick to do this during the time where they know that Muslims are going to be in their homes or places of worship. And then they bomb those homes and places of worship. Exactly. So by no means this the actual, I keep seeing like news articles and stuff calling it like a, a conflict or war between like Israel and Hamas, but it's not at all that. It's no one's <laughs> an actual state that has military power, and the other is a disenfranchised people group that has like a terror cell, quote unquote, that does basically next to no damage. Like, right? Have you seen that video of the Hamas rocket hitting a tree in Israel? I've not seen that particular video now. It's not really exciting. I'll tell you that. It's a video of like a park area in Israel. And there's a tree off center of the screen. A rocket hits it, it shakes the tree up, and it does so much damage that a cat is unaffected and runs away. But that was in the tree itself. A cat was hit by a Hamas rocket and survived. Yeah, it's it's more like like old timey catapults with boulders than it is <laughs> like wartime modern wartime explosives. It's really drone strikes. Right. Um, but again, I got on a tangent. I, I wanted to describe how it's not only the sanctioned murder of Palestinian people, it's their entire way of life. I mentioned that they've walled off or they have blocked off huge, huge portions of Gaza. If you go to Al Jazeera, they have an excellent video about Hebron, which is on the West Bank in Gaza. It is a Palestinian city and it goes to the life of three boys who live there, well, not the life, but like a few days in the lives of these three boys. And basically, so if you watch the video, you hear them refer to the Israelis who live there with them as the settlers. That's what they are, as the settlers, because Israel is trying to systematically force people out of their homes. And they claim them for Israeli settlers. <laughs> right. And it's uh, worth noting that there, before the settle or before we like Britain started like settling the Zionists 
there illegally. There were tribes of or like clusters of Israeli and Palestinian people that lived happily in harmony not that long ago. So it's not like this is because one of the things that I've always gotten growing up hearing about the conflict is that they've been at war forever since biblical times, but that's not true. They, right. It has been very recent since the Zionist movement came in and said that they don't want a two-state solution, that any conceding any land is unfair and that they want it all and that they want Palestinians to basically, like, stop existing there. Which is, again, horrific. <laughs> horrific sentence. A horrific viewpoint to have. So essentially, within the city, they have the checkpoints set up to where Palestinians cannot get across towns so they need to go. Again, this is a Palestinian city primarily, but they'll set up arm checkpoints throughout the city through the Israeli-controlled homes, generally blocking access to mosques or to water, making their lives more difficult. And a hind every, every action becomes a hindrance suddenly. Well, the opening shot to the video is two boys playing on their rooftop, just doing kid shit, kicking a ball around. They play with a box. I think they try to catch a pigeon at one point, just doing kid shit. <laughs> Mm -hmm. When across the street is an Israeli-controlled home watching them who call soldiers over to them, Israeli soldiers, of course. They go, the boys go downstairs. The soldiers come out through a gate, and they confront the family. They say, if you don't bring out every man in the house, and the children included, we're coming back tonight and arresting everybody, based entirely just on a phone call from a settler, which, if you've not caught on, is dystopian almost in how it operates like that. Can you imagine just because someone called the cops on your kid, your entire family goes to jail, not for committing a crime, not for doing anything illegal or even or immoral. Being just for just, just yeah, for someone. existing in your own home is the crime itself. And you can tell while they're speaking that this is only half. The only reason that everyone wasn't arrested suddenly was because a reporter was there documenting this family. And mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised until later on that they were, there were some other repercussions to them because of this. Later on, you see the same family in their home and they, you know, the living conditions aren't fantastic there because they, they barely have access to water, not because... It's a third world country and there's no water available because there is water available. There's, oh uh, yeah, it rained a lot controlled. there. It's all controlled by the Israelis who ration it out and just enough to keep them alive, but not to actually let them prosper or anything. I have to find it, but, and I'll put it up on the page also. There was an article that came out showing that Israel, Israel is Israel, the country, <laughs> the government there was essentially calorie counting food going into that region to ensure that just enough food went in to keep them from dying. Yeah. And but it, yeah, it's, I believe they called it, or the stuff I was reading on it called it like a, a forced drought and forced famine because the, the, the lack of food and lack of water was not natural. It's not like the land didn't have anything. They were just not letting anyone have access to it. Yeah. They're, they're and they also a scarcity. <laughs> yeah. And they cap, I, I, I saw that they also capped the Palestinian population. Like they said that they can't exceed like, I want to say like 20 or 30%, which is like, in order to keep that cap, you're going to end up bombing stuff and claiming it was terrorist. Cause like, that's the only way is ethnic cleansing to keep a population from. Right. And that's also, yeah. How do you, how do you utter those words out loud and no, you don't get condemned by literally the rest of the world? 
because everybody they've played so well the idea that criticizing the Israeli government is anti-Semitic. Oh yeah. That's that's the only reason that anybody who criticizes the Israeli government is anti-Semitic. And so that's why you have stuff like Biden who and France before the United States who would complain about the horrors that they commit against Palestinians, but still keep providing them weapons. Jesus, did you see that? Not Biden interview, but that Biden news clip of a reporter trying to ask him how he felt about providing weapons to war criminals that kill children. And Biden's response was, why don't you lay down in front of my truck and then I'll tell you. But what? Yeah, he threatened to run over a reporter for asking questions about Palestine. I did not hear that. That's cool. Shocking. I will find that clip and we will play it because it is. Yeah, send especially, it and I'll clip it into the show. Especially after the year we've had of people getting run over and protesters getting run over. And in fact, and again, in Palestine, there was a clip a few weeks back of an Israeli getting run off the road by protesters, but they failed to show the first half of the clip, which showed him running down several protesters with his vehicle and then getting stoned until he wrecked. Of course. Um, yeah. And it's like Ted Cruz is over in Israel right now rather than doing his job. And uh, he tweeted a clip of him in like a house that got like kind of destroyed by a Moss rocket, but it was mm -hmm. like, look at what they're dealing with here, failing to like show the other side of that, which is that like the response to one house crumbling was like hundreds of kids getting murdered. Like, well, and that's, that's also such a, like, it's a weirdly common trend I'm seeing in these articles that are trying to be, they're trying to play it off as like a both sides type narrative. Oh. Yeah, I mean, in the when New York Times, the, like, yeah, the New York Times article most recently that was condemned was they said that, what was it, Israel, this number of Israelis died, or no, this, this number of Israelis were killed, this number of Palestinians died as if they died of, like, natural causes, like, right. <laughs> like, just talking, like, that they weren't murdered, like, there's just, like, yeah, this, the way that the media reports it, it makes, yeah, they're, they're like, oh, like, a balanced conflict. These deaths that occurred as compared to oh, these lives that were taken this, by Israeli occurring, Yeah, I actually had a New York Times article, and I'm looking through like all the details of it, but it, it basically tries to alternate the stories they're telling. So, like, one is oh, this apartment complex was demolished by Israeli rockets, and then it's like oh, this lady's shop in Israel had her windows blown out. Oh, yeah. this kid in Palestine had his mother and father and brother killed and it's like oh look there's a video of these these two israelis hiding in a park because there's because uh, air them to be scared about it yeah yeah there's literally i heard the phrase oh my gosh i had it written down somewhere oh israel lives in constant fear because they're always hearing raid sirens and but that's like the extent like your of government it. is playing those sirens not in constant fear because their houses get blown up just because of the raid sirens. Yeah. But that's, they're, they're living in the fear of hearing the more sirens when on the other side, they're living in fear of being killed or arrested. Because speaking of arrests, Palestinians, when are arrested, do not go to civil court. They go to military court. Israelis who are arrested go to civil court because that's fair. 
90% of convictions for Palestinians end up being guilty or 90% of them are convicted. There we go. Most of the time or a large portion of the time, this is due to settlement agreements because they know if they don't settle and if they try to fight it, they'll still they'll be arrested. They'll, yeah. yeah, they're, they're going to lose for sure and have a harsher sentence. That's how the, yeah. So like Benjamin Netanyahu actually spent the majority of his life growing up and adulthood in America. Like in like Jersey or something, right? Yeah. And he's, he's the only prime minister who, unless he was either in political power or some sort of like political work, he was in America, not in Israel. Like he didn't spend any civilian life or, or in the military, not, not the other work. Yeah. He was either in the military or in political power. And that's the only time he spent in Israel and the rest of his life he spent in the United States. So it's really like, you could really see the like American in Israeli policy, like policy, like, <laughs> like he was like, ah, so here's how Americans treat black people in the United States. Like let's apply the same force to uh, Palestinians in Israel. Speaking of that, there is a fantastic article I found from 2014 actually. That I shared with you a little bit from the Middle East Report Online that we will link to. It's a phenomenal read. I'm actually just going to read quotes from him primarily. And basically the point of this is that there is a strong familiarity between what's happening in Palestine to a harsher degree, of course, and what's happening in America today, and especially what's been taken notice of over the past year or so. And that is a system of oppressive government inserting itself in the lives and ending the lives of specific ethnic groups and or specific groups of people, genocidal tendencies, especially. During 2014, of course, we had the Ferguson riots and in 2008 as well, actually. But there was a group that popped up there. I'm actually going to pull the article up myself. Groups of Palestinians in solidarity protesting with the Ferguson protesters and in support of them because it essentially... They knew what they were going through. This is a quote from Shatha Hamad. As a Palestinian, I see people every day getting killed. Our rights are violated. I don't have any rights, basically. For a moment there, I got used to it. But at the vigil, when I saw everything and heard the people talk, something woke up inside me. And I said, you suffer from that. And these people suffer from that. So you better sit next to each other and do something. And this was in reference to one of the shootings in Ferguson. Another one that came up after that is from Larry Fellows, the third, a member of Don't Shoot Coalition. We're being told by force that we aren't supposed to question or challenge what we know is an illegal treatment. The companies that are spending billions of dollars to suppress Palestinians are doing the same thing in the States. The tear gas and bullets used in Palestine are the same as those used in Ferguson. And I, I think it's, it's very important for us not only see what's happening in Palestine, and how it reflects on what's happening in America, but to care, <laughs> mostly. I'll admit right now that I didn't really know about or and especially care about what was happening a lot in not just the Middle East, but specifically in Israel and Palestine. And for that matter, when I was a child, especially the inequality of life and the oppressive nature of home here. Yeah. And this really opens up and it, it forces you to reflect on what more we can be done and how we can show support and solidarity for what's happening, not just here, but in Palestine as well. This is from Deo, uh, I'm butchering this name, Deo Alapade. I'm sure I've, I've ruined that, but he says in this article, the situation of Ferguson is one of occupation. When officers have the right to control your emotions, your actions and fate, there is no other word. When on top of that, the occupiers look nothing like you and do not share a community with you, it is far worse. 
And again, this was written and sent seven years ago. Nothing's changed. Nothing's gotten better in the sense that we have improved and repaired relations here in America with the black community and people of color and the same in Israel. It is in fact deteriorating because the governments in charge have become more and more mask off fascist and oppressive. And I don't, I didn't really have a follow-up to that, actually. For uh, the Israel-Palestine? Yeah, uh, that was, with the exception of, again, take notice of it. If you talk about it, I guess. I yeah, had to speak to several point, people. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, at this point, there's no real excuse for remaining uneducated about it. Like, we lived at a time that was filled with propaganda growing up. But now that, like, we sort of have access to real information about the history therein and what like access to the stories from the people who are living there we really don't have an excuse to keep burying our head in the sand about this absolutely speaking of there are a few different places you can go to to donate and at least show some amount of support one of which is gazamentalhealth.org i have not like you know thoroughly researched any of these so i i don't come mad at me if you find out that they're skimming on the top or something, but to my knowledge, these are a lot of organizations to donate to, yeah, as well as the Palestinian Children's Relief Fund. Go there, donate what you can, show some of the amount of support and solidarity for people going through. Talking about it with your family and friends? Yeah, absolutely. I had a pretty pleasant conversation with my mom, actually, about who does not share a lot of my same views about what's happening there, and it does help to frame it less as a political issue because though it is also that it is also a humanitarian issue real lives are affected by the violence that occurs there that is being perpetrated by the israeli government which is more the point not anti-semitism it's 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 acts of genocide that we are opposed to so being against a an oppressive government is is not anti-Semitic, especially once you realize that the conflict there is not one that Israel wants a solution to, because anytime that there's been talks about a two-state solution, all of the leaders in of the Israeli government in recent history have basically said that they, they can't, they won't concede any of the land. <clears throat> they said that they want all of their biblical land, even though there's no like, like God's not here to divvy that up for you. So you're going to have to stop like, yeah, basically ethnic cleansing. the land. And like, and one of the other visuals is before the IDF, there was the IDZ and, or IFC, something, there was something that had Z. And that was like their original military force before, whenever it was like first kicking off. And you had like, that's when you had visuals of like, Palestinian teenagers that were shirtless that were like throwing rocks at tanks and then having their Israeli soldiers coming out and like breaking their arms and stuff. Uh, right. they, it was like legal, like it was like the law that you, it was like bone break was like part of the punishment for anything and they come out and like break their elbows and stuff. And then pictures of that got out. And that's how you have the like jokes that people make about the IDF being scared of teenagers and killing kids and stuff is not because like people are exaggerating. It's because that was really the origins of their military occupation against Palestine. Yeah. Israel's propaganda has been absolutely insane, by the way. 
Well, yeah, uh, Netanyahu was able to because he lived. He knew he knew how to speak to Americans. He do. He grew up here. He spent all his time here. He knew how to garnish the sympathy of being above questioning. Well, not even that. I'm I'm mostly referring to like the IDF's hot girl TikToks. Oh, I haven't seen that. And oh my god, you've not. There's like uh, one that's like it's just this attractive woman who's like in uniform. Do you think I could be a war criminal and like, oh, dancing to music? Yeah, no, I missed that. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, you absolutely could be a war criminal. If the what's-her-face from the U.S. military ad can be a war criminal. Intersectional war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't have else on Israel and Palestine. Yeah, I thought we'd been there on that. Global news. Yeah. Yeah, go for that. So, under ICE. I saw recently that the Biden administration has cut ties with the ICE facility that was accused of mass hysterectomies, though there's not been any follow through on telling us like the, if he's been, if the doctor's been punished or what recourse has been happening or what evidence what, they've collected. What does that mean though, in terms well, of what's like, a private are facility, they, right? So they're still in operation or? Well, they don't have any government contracts. So they can't put. I, I assume cutting ties with the federal government means that you can't put federal inmates there. Well, I mean, do they have like state contracts? Because I know like a lot of like Louisiana specifically, although Louisiana has like extensive contracts with like LaSalle. And well, that might actually be a thing. I didn't look deeply into it. I just saw that that was the first thing I'd seen that developed in that story was that the Biden administration cut ties with it. But I actually don't have any idea what that means. Yeah. Well, I know like they moved all the women from that facility to a different facility owned by Core Civic. I just wasn't sure if like, <laughs> if they were just phrasing it in a way that made it sound like Biden's punished them, when in reality they've just been like, well, we can't pay you, but we'll increase funding for the state for the use of like prison care and they'll pay you instead. Yeah, I'm not sure, let's see. Oh, did that link go bad? Because I knew he had, Done that executive order a while back about ending contracts with private, probably private prison facilities, but only like federal ones, not ICE facilities specifically. Let's see. Biden administration will close two immigration and custom enforcement detention centers. Oh, okay. So, yeah, now they're being closed. Well, that's both uh, good I, and bad because now. That makes it seem like those people. Yeah. yeah, it makes it seem like it's it like justice has been served when it the article here doesn't say anything about the doctor. Yeah, oh, the doctor last I saw has not gone to court yet. <laughs> Nothing about him actually. Doctor Armin is his name, by the way. Armin. R A M I N. The last thing I saw was a few months ago, a woman went into a doctor's office that he had run and there's signs that are saying like, Oh, we support you, Doctor Armin. You're innocent, Doctor Armin. Like the staff there and stuff. Yeah, the Bristol County Sheriff's Department said shame on the Department of Homeland Security for putting left-wing politics above public safety by ending the contracts. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Also, the American Civil Liberties Union has submitted the documentation to push for the closure of 39 detention centers, and we've gotten all of two now. And they're, like, gross civil rights abuse and so this whole like oh well i closed those two is gonna end up yeah like this that's nothing you've done he's, nothing yeah he's gonna get attacked for being too left-wing well uh, yeah in fact, he's whole, done nothing yeah. yeah 
Uh, well, it's just like Abbott, everything Abbott down. posted for the last several months has just been bitching and moaning about the Biden this and Biden that and the Biden border <laughs> crisis and all that stuff. And that, like, uh, speaking of, I actually did have a little bit on that. Yeah, we can move to the current what? status of the... Oh, more for oh, news or... On that exact specific topic was oh, okay. Abbott and the border, in fact. Okay. That's actually my last little bit I have here. The Federalist this morning, in fact, posted an article. Governor Abbott, we are going to start jailing border crossers in Texas. He was, he gave an interview on Handy, I believe. As you know, the Attorney General I used to be, I follow the law, and the law that I'm going to use will be legal ways in which Texas is going to start arresting everybody coming across the border, not just arresting them, but because it's not going to be ag aggravated trespass, they're going to be spending half a year in jail, if not a year in jail, as well as other actions that will be announcing next week. What this means is he's not, they're not going to detention centers while they await court case for asylum. So basically asylum seekers will now be put into prison facilities for the crime of, of being an asylum seeker. Of violent, depressive reason. Wow. Yep, for up to a year, apparently. Jesus. At which point they'll probably just be deported again with nothing. And I can only imagine this is going to escalate eventually to where if they suspect you are a border crosser, you'll be arrested. And I can't wait to be going to like Houston or San Antonio, though, not even like really southern areas of Texas, and get arrested for being a brown guy. Yeah. Also, I love that he can just decide how long they're going to get sentenced because that's a governor's job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And on that, I have a bunch of this crazy shit once we get to the... Well, first, well, I have one quick tidbit in the Around the Country section. Yeah. And that is Jeff Bezos acquiring MGM for $10 billion and getting oh a $1 billion bailout for his uh, for his <laughs> space thing from the government. So basically, the taxpayers paid for Jeff Bezos to acquire MGM with Amazon. Because, yeah, he's really down the dumps right now. He's, uh, he's going broke. The wealthiest man who has ever lived in the history of human civilizations getting a $10 billion bailout for a side project of getting to the moon because he failed his bid at outbidding Musk for the space contract. And so we're bailing his space hobby out for some reason for $10 billion. Oh my God. That's all I've got for around the country news, but... If you don't have anything there, we can go into the California-Texas pissing contest. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I'm pretty much out of articles. I blew through my load pretty early. All right. I'll start with California news because also one little tidbit. Caitlyn Jenner is running for California governor, and she's the worst. Absolutely the worst. Uh, didn't she recently come out saying she's uh, going to institute testing to make sure they're actually dead? Yeah. And what does that mean? I don't know. I have no idea what that means. I I wish that we'd stop giving celebrities, like, microphone time. She also said she's going to cancel cancel culture. Like, she canceled that one person that she ran over with her car. <laughs> oh, my God. And I think her actual phrase was, I'm going to cancel cancel culture and awake the woke. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what anything she says means. <laughs> like, I just don't even understand how she's gotten the airtime that she's gotten, like, on this. Because the reason that there's a recall vote on Newsom is because of his handling of the 
pandemic, but his handling was actually pretty good. Like, yeah, California was the most strict, but we also like recovered the fastest as far as like, like going from the worst rates because of the sheer number of people living on top of each other in like LA and stuff to like the lowest rates of infection across the country. And like, yeah, it was inconvenient, but like, I don't know, like, what are you going to do? That's not really a reason to to recall. So it's not like Cuomo who was covering up, you know, people dying in elderly facilities. Right. It like he didn't, there was no, there's no scandal involved in this. The recall election is just because he made everybody wear masks and they didn't like that. And so the strong conservative population of California was able to get enough signatures to get a recall election. And uh, because California is got a ton of obnoxious conservatives, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be enough to, or I don't, I don't think there's enough people. There's not been enough controversy around Newsom. I don't think to uh, actually recall him, but I really wish that Caitlyn Jenner would shut the fuck up. It always seems like any time that we get intersectional representation that, you know, like with Hillary Clinton or whatever, try to be the first female president or Kamala Harris being the first female minority vice president, like all, anytime that we have any opportunity for that, it's always like the worst human being available that has well, all of those categories. The approved people to be in office are people places to power. So right. they have to be essentially right-wing warmongers. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of what political party you're in, as long as you support overfunding police, war in the Middle East, bailing out billionaires, we're all good. Or at the very least, owning the libs. Oh, yeah. Because that's all that Caitlyn Jenner's platform is, is just owning the libs, I guess. So moving to Texas news, I want to talk about Abbott's police funding policy that he pushed through, the defunding stuff. Yeah. So I've got a lot actually on this. So the background for this is that the push to defund the police has grown in the wake of the nationwide protests from 2020. And Abbott uh, has... And it's been, it's been, it's gone through. So when I wrote this, it hadn't yet, but it has since then. So he was adding punishments for cities in Texas who defund their police departments to like, and basically how, how it's enforced is that, well, before, before I say that the general purpose of defunding the police is to shift money away from the police and move it to like social services, like housing assistance, mental health services, help reduce crime in those ways. And so far, the only major city in Texas who's made serious efforts to do that is Austin, whose city council voted to shift 7% of the police budget, which is $30 million. That's nothing. Uh, toward the social services effort. And Abbott has been losing his goddamn mind and going full-blown dictator over it. So the way that he is punishing this defunding, House Bill 1900, Target cities of 250,000 or more, which is Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, Austin, Fort Worth, El Paso, Arlington, Corpus Christi, Plano, Laredo, and Lubbock. If a city reduces its police budget without making proportional reductions to the rest of the city budget, that city would authorize the state of Texas to take a portion of the city's sales tax revenue and divert it to the State Department of Public Safety. The bill would also prevent what? the city from raising really? other taxes like property taxes to offset the cost. So... This isn't preventing people from defunding the police. It's preventing you from using the money from reducing the police budget for something good. Because he knows that the whole point is to divert some of the funds from police departments. To yeah, services. it specifically punishes other so services. It, yeah, so in order to cut police budget, you now have to cut the budgets to all of the other underfunded services for the community. 
or else they will take a huge chunk of your sales tax as a state or as a city and put it towards the state department of public safety. So it'll go to cops. The cops are going to get the money no matter what. That is absolutely insane. It was, again, it's, it's not. <sighs> $30 million is only 7% of the Austin police budget is really like that's, it's insane to me that one, that $30 million is 7% and two, that they're making that big of a fuss over trying to make Austin a better place to live, like less crime, less homelessness, <laughs> more mental health services with that money. Well, and it's, well, and also that conservatives love to tote or top the line, like, oh, we believe in like being fiscally responsible and smaller government. Well, this is the exact opposite of that in every way possible because it also prevents you from, say, this is like a defunding saying, oh, we just, you know, we have a bloated police budget. Maybe we should reduce that. But you can't add unless you reduce the funding of your underfunded stuff that needs the money. Right. It, it literally prevents even like trying to be fiscally responsible and balancing out a budget by reducing the overinflated police budget that every city has in this country for some reason. Yeah, that, that's what tore me up was seeing that it wasn't just about preventing defunding it was preventing using that money for anything good yeah it's that abbott specifically hates people who aren't well off yeah <laughs> well and he makes that very clear when he pushed to make homeless camps illegal in austin that's the funniest thing is that people always talk about the homeless population in california versus texas when one california has like 11 million more people than Texas does. And two, it's illegal to be homeless in Texas. They'll just arrest you, which means that you're not going to get counted as homeless because you're in jail for being homeless. Well, also, people people always say this. I'm like, oh, well, all the Democratic cities have homeless people in it. This is not at all defensive Democrats, but like larger, more left-wing cities tend to have much more programs and housing available for homeless people. If I'm going to be homeless, I'm not going to go out in the middle of like the water town deep yeah. south where everyone a hates me for existing and b will provide nothing for me there is right. no hand up in those sites other cities. there's also no like transportation in small areas like right and rural or like or in, and in urban areas where there is lots of public transportation and services that those also happen to be densely populated and anywhere where you have dense populations tends to be more blue because people don't aren't scared of people that are different because they live among a variety of people. Right. Like once you live around a bunch of like pretty normal gay and black and whatever people, like you suddenly aren't as scared of them as you are living in a, in like a, a in homogenous town. Yeah. Uh, an all white. Yeah. Right. So yeah, they, but I, I remember reading about people saying, like, oh, we'll California this and California that. I remember seeing actually Abbott say, oh, California tries to limit your freedom on how you can power your house because San Francisco, not the state of California, the city of San Francisco, <laughs> banned the use of natural gas because of like it's part of the green energy thing. And uh, they just uh, tack that freedom word onto anything. Yeah. When, it, yeah. when it's convenient. <laughs> It's like, it's not the, like there, you don't have like an entitled freedom to like burn whatever fuel you want in your house to power it. Like, yeah, you have a freedom to, or you, you have the right 
to electricity, but not how that electricity gets to your house. If there's um, one thing the founding fathers fought for, it's the right for me to put burn shove noxious fumes into the atmosphere. All right. That was very spe specified in there somewhere. Right. It's somewhere in the Second Amendment, I'm sure. The right to bear arms and burn fossil fuels in your house. And so, yeah, like every, everything. And then there's the heartbeat bill, bans abortions past six weeks and doesn't have a caveat for rape or incest, which makes it the most restrictive, oppressive abortion restriction in the country. My state's going right to hell. And I just like don't understand what and the and the funny thing on the the heartbeat bill is that I saw statistics that showed that well for starters like since Roe v Wade, the abortion rates have declined steadily in general, but under Democratic presidents have dropped more so than under Republican presidents. Like it, it's never climbed, but like under Clinton it was like thirty percent, under Obama it was like eighteen percent drops in abortion rates, where under Bush it was like eight. And under Trump, it was like three percent drops. Yeah, and not and I'm not I'm not going to say that the presidency had anything to do with that. Like that's as speculative as like gas prices. But the point being that like it could be argued that when we're spending our money on education and on health services and stuff, that people are more likely to consider keeping a kid in a situation that's more difficult than when not, or have their like, access to prevention, even so, it doesn't happen in the first place. Or right, and. And so, like, all the people that, like, are single-issue voters on on being pro-birth, they would actually benefit from more democratic policies rather than outright bans. And that could be shown, like, the, the same argument that they make about guns. Like, people are going to have them, so you can't ban them. And drugs, you can't, you can't ban them. People are going to do them. But, like, they don't, like, they can't connect that to abortions. Like, the only thing that legal abortion does is make them safe to keep people from accidentally killing themselves on a botched right. back alley abortion because people are going to try to commit or like you know people are going to try to to do an abortion anyways because of how volatile the idea of raising a child in this country right now is if you're not wealthy absolutely yeah and so it's insane to me that they that single issue voters who are like, oh, I disagree with the Republican Party and po Republican politicians on everything else, but like it's for the babies, like don't realize that they would probably save, not probably, they would definitely save more babies' lives by not voting for the oppressive politicians and making this country a place where people don't want to commit to an abortion rather than, rather than trying to ban them, like maybe fix what's causing them to make that decision rather than well, that's not and that's not to say that abortion is inherently evil and we need to make no, but if you're through other means but like your if, best bet at reducing the rates of abortion is by making society more welcoming to mothers right <laughs> like hey, rather than cutting programs for you're not to have this abortion but we're also not going to assist you in any way whatsoever uh, whether it's financial or childcare, and all or, oh, you want time off? That's unfortunate. Die, yeah. We don't care if that kid starts to death after it's born. We just care that you have to forget to term. And that's really the. And then they don't care about the Palestinian kids. Only, only that poor American kids are born. And the other fun thing about that is that Republican politicians and their wives and their mistresses and their daughters will always have access to oh absolutely abortion services it all it does is make it 
impossible for poor people to get an well, abortion. Yeah, I think this is almost absolutely. It's just trapping them in the cycle of yeah. poverty. Yeah. It's not something they actually care about. It's not like they actually have strong opinions on abortion or whatever. It's that it doesn't affect them. So they don't care. They did. They did. Right. They'll get it anyway. Just like Rush Limbaugh with the drugs. Like he can advocate for harsh sentences because he's yeah. not going to get punished for opiate trafficking or health care or anything else for that matter. Right. Oh, such bullshit. And that's, yeah. That's really frustrating. And then the fact that like he, so the other thing is that Texas was trying to push through the most restrictive voting access laws in the country and Democrats staged a walkout because they didn't have the votes to stop it. And so like three hours before legislation ended, they walked out, which made it to where there wasn't enough people to cast a vote. Yeah. It failed by the deadline to go through. And Abbott is forcing a, an emergency session to try to force it through because he insists that he also needs this, that he also needs. Because one of the things in the 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 voting restrictions is like not opening the polls until after 1 p.m. on Sundays, which got the whole souls to the polls, like black churches that will take right. everybody on Sunday morning in like a church bus. And their only excuse was, well, poll employees want to go to church too. But okay. Shit and They died. can't take one, one week off of church or they can't, you can't get people... Like, not everyone in Texas goes to church, so, like, you can't get people who don't want to go to church to work the polls I don't, on Sundays. Isn't it, like, a lot of volunteers anyways? It's all volunteers. So, they would volunteer to be there. And you're right. Forcing them to be anywhere. No one, no one's being forced to miss church in that instance. <laughs> it's that they want to volunteer, but they also want to be at church, so we have to make sure black churchgoers don't get to vote. Jeez. And then... Yeah, so him calling that, like, yeah, emergency sessions is really obnoxious. I am, like, beyond. It's it's really upsetting and how authoritarian and uh, dictatory he's becoming. Right. Uh, like, with aggression over the past couple of years. Uh, uh, there's it, the fact that he just, like, is so proud of the fact that Trump has issued his support for Abbott and re-election and has been tweeting it nonstop that Trump is backed him. But that's not good. That's not a no, good thing. No, you shouldn't be proud of that. This is a matter of just impeached twice and once for inciting a violent riot at the Capitol building. I killed the police officer there. And then I've got another story that's a fun one. It's not related is, to Abbott. Is it, is it a real fun one? No, it's, it? not a, it's not a fun uh, one. It's a bummer. Um, okay. This is a new study conducted by Southern Michigan University Law. Let's see, that showed that disproportionate, this is, and this is something we already knew, but this is like still occurring is basically what the point is. Disproportionate numbers in prosecution and conviction for black and white marijuana users has been noted by a lot of people. But this recent data, which was done on statistics from 2018, to 2019 shows where we're at on the modern era of marijuana decriminalization. The study was self-funded, conducted by a team of researchers at SMU Law using Dallas County DA records for the cities of Dallas, Garland, Grand Prairie, Irving, Mesquite, and Richardson. So first, they noted that there was more than 5,000 people that were referred for marijuana prosecution, and 
7,000 for drug paraphernalia prosecution in 2018. Black people were cited, arrested, prosecuted, or referred to DA for misdemeanor possession of marijuana slash paraphernalia more than any other race or like, and I, that, that's my wording because their wording was non-black people. So not just like, not just more than white people, like more than any other race of non, non-black people, black people were referred. And to break it down further, this disproportion didn't happen in like one or two of those cities within the Dallas County, but in all six of those individual cities that were studied were those, those rates were disproportionate in every single right. one. And marijuana is one that with absolute universal certainty is used in vast proportions by every race across every Oh, area. absolutely. It, it, uh, it's everywhere. So, yeah, and this is after many cities in Dallas have started, like, moving towards decriminalization. They still, in 2018, had, what is that, 1,200, or no, 12, or 12,000, sorry, in one year that were referred for prosecution in those six cities. Right. And in every scope of that, Black people were disproportionately affected. So we're still in the exact same spot we've been the entire time. Yeah, and literally nothing's changed. Nope. Yeah, that, that was a bummer. I just found something. If you are we getting close to the end? I know. We're uh, the, yeah, that, I'm running. Either, that's the end of my notes, other than uh, the bitch baby awards. So real fast, I want to circle back around to Israel and Palestine, but on on the American home front for that, if you're at all on the internet or Twitter specifically, you've you've probably heard the phrase Eve Fartlow. She is a woman who is a proud Zionist. And at one point in time, her name, her real name was Eve Barlow or something like that. Someone called her Eve Fartlow. And she's been, I, bully is not the right word, though she should be bullied at this point. I'm picked on for her name, sounding like Fart. To the point where she wrote an entire article and has since appeared on Fox News talking about how her being called Eve Fartlow is the equivalent of a pogrom. <laughs> uh, and this is escalated to the point, because what she said is ridiculous and insane for that matter. Also disrespectful to people who, you know, who have family who were in pogroms. Pogroms, I, I'm mad at words. But if you currently, as of this moment, Google Israel-Palestine, you will not only find... Al Jazeera articles on if they're going to be held accountable for war crimes, articles on Biden, how he should probably change his approach to war crimes in Palestine, but also a nation article titled Fart Joke is Not a Pogrom. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're at. That is funny. (laughs) That is is the news today. Fart jokes. I saw that Seth Rogen genocide and... Yeah. Are they <laughs> Only if you're conservative. Yeah, I saw Seth Rogen also tweeted out the fart joke and people tried to say that he was anti-Semitic, but he's Jewish. <laughs> also, it's literally a fart joke. It was also not even actually, he didn't say the word fart, he just had the emoji of the puff cloud. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that fragile flakes on the right, killing me. Right. But that brings us to our final segment, the Bitch Baby Awards, where I've been keeping a running tally of the number of times we've mentioned different bitch babies throughout the show. 
And by my uh, calculation, can I can I guess? Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, because I've not been keeping track. I'm a. I'm gonna guess Abbott this round. In most instances, you would be right, but actually, the bitch baby award for today goes oh. posthumously to Rush oh Limbaugh. My God, I just I remember how he mentioned his name. Just <laughs> yep. Dang it. Our first <laughs> and deceased bitch baby. <laughs> Of the Bitch Baby Awards, Abbott comes in second with Tucker in third, and then Ted and, well, no, Tucker, Biden, and Ted is a three-way tie. Oh, wow. Oh, Biden's sneaking in there like a dark horse. Yeah, I realized that we'd mentioned him a couple of times, so I I started keeping tally after the first couple, and then, yeah, so him, Tucker, and Beck, or no, him, Tucker, and Cruz, but then back with just the one, because mostly I didn't look into him any further than that. I'm sure I could have had yeah. other stuff. But yeah, no, Rush Limbaugh and then Abbott are the outstanding bitch babies of those episode. Good, good for y'all. <laughs> yeah, you you are it. I mean, Rush Rush is the father of all bitch babies, though. So it's only appropriate that he gets the he, first one. He was the first. Yeah, <laughs> he paved the way for all other bitch babies. Yeah, I think that's our show. You can... Visit us at addnews.com where you can follow any of or our, our channel other, on any yeah. of our streaming, any streaming platform you'd like. <laughs> oh, if you have any ideas for things we should talk about, any news stories that you find interesting, feel free to send us a direct message once again on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or if you go to our website, there is a section to send us a direct message there. And if you wouldn't mind, we'd still love for anybody to give us an actual review review on Apple Podcast. Yeah, I know we have more ratings of, now. Yeah, but... we've got more ratings, but no one's left an actual review. So we're still waiting on that to come through. <laughs> Y'all have um, one job. That's listen to three hours of us talk, leave a good review. Yeah, we're officially in the second half of season one with a two-parter so this will be seven episodes total that you will listen to at this point like, yeah definitely leave us a review i'll do my best to we'll, we'll do some lighter stories next time too i think yeah well, i'll try it was a rough month last month and we had to cover a lot of dark shit that happened so uh, yeah we've officially finished meltdown may so uh, there we are right hopefully going into the summer we'll have something at least more funny if not more positive yeah <laughs> We'll find the lighter side of the slowly encroaching dystopian future. Yeah. In the meantime, and maybe maybe Abbott will croak. Who knows? Oh, that's not a, that is not a threat. That is a statement of yeah, his age. Ted Cruz tweeted out that he was upset that MSNBC used the words Texas two step over a story about Abbott and asked if they were making fun of him not being able to walk. And whether or not they were, I'm kind of mad that they're pushing it on my joke territory. I, I actually think they're trying to be inclusional, but it was obviously intentionally misrepresented. But anyway, yeah, hopefully Abbott will, or, you know, whatever, whatever you said before. I, I wish hopefully we can imagine what causes on all of our bitch babies this week. Yep. <laughs> Particularly the one in, in the ground. In a non-threatening way. <laughs> I hope he's resurrected and then redacted. And then dies of lung cancer again. Super love answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, that's All our right. go. And that's it. <laughs>